Well, open your Bibles up to Exodus chapter 15 in verse 26. Hallelujah. We're talking about how Jesus is the healer. This is week four, and we've been talking about that your faith is the determining factor in your healing. It's not a matter of what God can do. It's a matter of what you can believe, what you can receive from him, because he's already provided healing for you. Jesus always was, is, and always will be the healer. Amen? Amen. Today I want to really talk to you about how that he is ready to heal. I heard these words in my spirit. The Lord spoke to me and said, I am the Lord your healer. He is. It's part of who he is. It's his nature. And he never changes. Oh, I believe there's going to be a healing revival that breaks out. I think it's hilarious how that God is reaching uh, the medical professionals, doctors, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, nurses, CNAs, all over. I'm telling you, get ready for that. I believe, and I believe Omaha is going to be an epicenter of this, where people come that are gifted naturally in this area. They've had this desire to be a doctor or to work in the medical profession as a nurse or whatever capacity, and God wants to take you to healing school and teach you the other side of it. Because, because we've had this attitude that, that God works with the medical professionals. And we've had that backwards. No, he doesn't. They work with him. He is the healer, right? A doctor can't heal you. A surgeon can't heal you. But they, they, can, they can move some stuff around. They can take some stuff out. You can tell I'm not a doctor, right? They can put some stuff in, whatever. They can replace some things. But they can't heal you. But he is the healer. So look at this. Exodus 15, verse 26. Know this today. There is a great healing anointing right here. I believe today. Why, why not have today be the day when all the pain leaves your body? Why not today be the day when knees and hips start working better? Where blood levels come down in the normal range? It's time for the body of Christ to stop having to spend so much money on medication. Right? So why don't, let's, let's learn about and learn how to receive Jesus as the healer and, and let's put an end date to the medication. Right? Now, now, don't mix the two because if you're taking medication, there's nothing wrong with that. Take it in faith. Believe for it to do exactly what it's to do to help you and believe that God will protect you from any harsh side effects. But also, keep thanking him. Keep feeding on the word of God, thanking him that you're healed, and then all of a sudden, let him lead you until where you don't need it, where you go to the doctor and they tell you, hey, there's no reason to take this anymore. Amen? Because he's your healer. Exodus 15, verse 26, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments. New Testament believer would say, and would give ear to his word, and keep all of his statutes, or keep his word. He said this, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And that's what I want to really focus on, that last statement. This is the first time after the children of Israel left Egypt that God revealed himself to them as a people. They had ate the Passover lamb in Egypt. They walked out, every one of them. There was no sickness, there was no infirmity, there was no weakness in any of them. And now here they are in the wilderness, and God comes and he says, I am the Lord that heals you. And remember, we broke this down, we broke this down in other times, but where it says here, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. We have, to, we have to really look at this, because is God putting disease on people? Because there's so many other scriptures, you'd really have a hard time finding out where he'd get it. 
Because there is no sickness, there is no disease with God. But if you do a little, just a little study, you find out, and Dr. Young, he was a Hebrew scholar, he said that in the Hebrew language, like this verb, put, there's two tenses. There's a causative tense, or there's a permissive tense. And these two words are in the permissive tense. So it should read like this. I will allow, or I will permit, none of these diseases upon you, which I have allowed or permitted upon the Egyptians. We see in the Old Testament, the way it worked is if people, see God cut covenant, so now he cut covenant with man, so now if man would obey his word, because remember, his word is life. Everything outside of his word is missing the mark. It's not life. So if man would obey him, then God had a legal right to be their healer. And he would not allow any of the diseases that were allowed on Egypt, because they weren't serving him, they weren't obeying him, he would not allow that on the children of Israel. And you could look at the story, you could see that operating in the Old Testament. How much more in the New Testament? See, in the New Testament, it's so much better. Because in the New Testament, now you're a believer. You're a child of God. They were not. They were just the people of God. Right? They, God never called them children. He called them servants. God only calls you and I a servant when it talks about us ministering to others. But it never calls us servants in our relationship with him. It calls us children. So as his children, as a New Testament believer, I've already, I'm already the healed. So now, because of who I am in Christ, I have, I, I literally, all I do is I, my obedience is I'm obedient to the faith. What does that mean? I believe his word, what he said in my heart and confess it out of my mouth. And now it doesn't get God to heal me because he's already provided it. Jesus bore all of my sickness, all of my disease in the same way he bore all of my sin, in the same way he bore all poverty and lack for me on the cross. So now in Christ, the minute I get born again, I've been given all this. So now poverty and lack, sickness and disease, all of these things have to bow to who I am in Christ. So God doesn't, he's not coming if I do this, then he will heal me. No, he's already provided healing. Now it's a matter of me just simply believing it and laying hold of it and say, yes, Father, I take that. I, I believe I receive my healing. Thank you for healing my body. So it's different now. It's a much better progression. But notice the end of this verse. For I am. Why did God say this? He says, for I am the Lord that heals you. It's the Hebrew phrase, it's a redemptive name of God. I am Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah. I am the self-existent eternal one. Rapha. That mends you. That cures you. That heals you. Your great physician. That's what, that's what Jehovah Rapha means. Notice it says, I am. Now, God never changes. Right? right? Never. never changes. The Bible says in James, every good, every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Well, is sickness or disease good and perfect? I think not, right? It comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, that means if he's healed one person, he has to provide it for everybody, otherwise he varies. He doesn't vary. He's provided healing for all. Neither shadow of turning. God said in the Old Testament, I am not a man that I should lie, neither am I the son of man that I should repent. That word repent means change. In other portions of Scripture in the Old Testament, it says, I'm the Lord, I change not. 
Jesus, in Hebrews it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. Then he said in John, he said, listen guys, I'm going to heaven after I redeem you and I'm going to send you another comforter, an allos comforter. Allos, it means one who's exactly like me, which means the Holy Spirit never changes. I think it's amazing that it's only happened probably in the last 300 years to where we've decided in the church that we're changing this to I was Jehovah Rapha. Or we've changed it to I sometimes am. But it was not like that. It never was like that. God says, I am the Lord that heals you. I am Jehovah. I am the self-existent, eternal one that, that, that does what? That mends you. That cures you. That heals you because I am your great physician. That's literally what Jehovah Rapha means. He's that today. He's ready to heal right now. Always. Always. Do you believe it? In the Amplified Version, it says, I am the Lord who heals you. In the Contemporary English Version, it says, I am the Lord your God, and I cure your diseases. Wow, isn't that good news to somebody who has disease in their body? The New American Standard Bible says, For I, the Lord, am your healer. The Young's Literal, we talked about Dr. Young, Hebrew scholar. Young's Literal translation, I love the way he says it. For I, Jehovah, am healing you. Doesn't that fit with, with Romans 8.11? That the Holy Spirit, Romans 8.11 tells us that the Holy Spirit is down on the inside of a believer quickening your mortal body with the same power that he used to raise Jesus' body from the dead. That word quicken means to restore to health, to heal, and to make whole. That's why when you get in the Word, the Bible says God's Word is life to those that find it and health or medicine to all their flesh. Isn't that good news? He's your healer. Go over to Jeremiah chapter 8. I want you to see this. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 22. We see, see, when you look in the Old Testament, you can go scripture after scripture and then come into the New Testament and you can see how all this works in the ministry of Jesus, in, in, in the early church, all that's been provided. There's healing all through the Bible. Why? Because he is a healer. He is a healer. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22. The Word of God says this. Now this is God-breathed. Is there no balm in Gilead? Balm would be, it's the Hebrew word for a healing ointment. Is there no physician there? So God is saying, is there no balm is there no healing ointment? Is there no physician? Talking about his people. The answer to that is, no, no, no. There is a physician and there is healing. Right? And then God says in his word, why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? This brings out an incredible truth. Just because you have your heavenly Father, your Lord Jesus, and the mighty Holy Spirit who carries it out. See, God the Father had the plan of healing. Jesus carries it out. Or Jesus, he carries it out, carries it out, but it would do us no good. We need somebody to reveal it. Well, the Holy Spirit reveals it. But this is telling us right here that just because we have a healer, doesn't mean healing will be automatic. Isn't there, is there no healing ointment 
in Gilead? Is there no physician? Why, are my, why is my daughter still sick then? It, it, we could bring it right here into the church and go, wait, is, am I not a healer? Is my healing anointing not here right now? Then why are my children still suffering from sickness and disease? It's right there in the Word. Go over to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. I love, in verse 14, I love the way this is written. Jeremiah 17, 14. It says this, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. And the, but look at, look at it, it's like one thought. Save me, and I shall be saved for thou art my praise. Heal me, Lord, and I'll be healed. Save me, and I'll be saved. Why is it worded like that? Because healing and being saved is the same. You cannot separate having your sins forgiven and washed away and, and, have, and being saved from spiritual death. You can't separate that from healing. It's all through the Bible. And it was never separated. It, you know, I don't know exactly. It's probably been at least 300 years when it started getting separated. Religion started saying, well, you just never know what God's going to do. You know, he'll, he'll heal some and not others, but he's sovereign, and you just never know what he's going to do. Which, what never comes from that is Bible verses because, or we could say scripture. Scripture's never quoted. Usually you have to say that in a deeper voice with more authority because I'm a pastor, because I'm a theologian. But you can't say it, it is written, because it's not written. Oh, oh, it's written. It's written by some unbelieving theologians that are twisting and, and they have their own opinion, but they never quote scripture. But, but words are so powerful that when you hear words that suck the faith out of you for a few hundred years, people start doubting things. And all of a sudden, they start comparing what God said to their circumstances. Well, you know, healing had to be done away with because, you know, my grandmother loved God with all of her heart and died of sickness and disease. Now, this is not going to happen. There's no way this is going to happen. But if I were to fall dead right now of sickness and disease, that does not change the word of God, the fact that he's a healer at all. Because I could miss it. Right? Anybody could miss it. But you need to know today that God is your healer and he's ready to heal. It's right here, right now. Both healing and salvation both come from the same source. It's the same redemption. It's the same will of God. It's the same provision. And here's the thing that you need to know. It's received the same way. The way you got saved is the way you'll get healed. It's the way you'll get your bills paid. All of this stuff. It's the way you'll prosper in life. Everything is I take possession with my faith that God's gave me, or I should say it correctly, with his faith, I take possession of it, what he's already given me by his grace. God already provided it by his grace because he loved me. I couldn't, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Grace is God doing for me what I could never do for myself. But he gave it to me. But now it's not enough for him to give it to me. I have to receive it. So in order to receive from God, I need faith. I need his faith. How does it come? It comes by hearing his word. So when I hear the voice of, of my father, of the word of God, of Jesus, who's the living word down in my spirit, I'm fully persuaded that what he said is true. And now the light of this dawns on my spirit man and it changes my life forever. He's my healer. Go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 1. I love this psalm. This, this verse 1 through verse 5 
The closest way you could say it, in the Hebrew language, it would be the equivalent of our present participle, which means that verses 1 through 5 is what God has done, is doing, and always will do. It's what he is presently doing for us right now. He did it, he's doing it, and he'll always do it. Wrap your, wrap your little brain around that one. Well, you wrap your spirit around it, and your spirit literally will get revelation of that and communicate it and renew your mind with it, and it'll change your life. So let's look at this. Psalm 103.1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Notice, it's plural. And forget not all his benefit. It doesn't say benefit. It says benefits. Plural. And we're not to forget. See, it's telling us don't forget all of them. And this Hebrew word all is really interesting in the Hebrew. It's real interesting in the Greek. If you want to get really crazy, it's really interesting in the Aramaic and the Chaldean. Whatever language, it all, it all means all. Isn't that deep? That's why I do what I do. It's the Tony Finley commentary. Be the thinnest book you'll ever read, but it'll be life-giving because you'll be able to understand it. All. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all. God wants you to always be very mindful of his benefits. Look at this, verse 3, benefit 1, who forgives all your iniquities. Man, we have no problem with that, do we? Now, well, we say we don't have a problem with that, but yet we'll still get in a works mentality and think that we got to earn something from God. But if you were to talk to most Christians and say, you know, what do you think? Pastor did an altar call, and man, it was the day Leanne gets saved. She comes up, and, and I start to pray for her, and I'm like, Lord, we're just really hoping today that you're going you're gonna to save Leanne. All of you be going, did, what did he just say? I mean, everybody would go, no, 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 no. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord is saved. We don't have any problem with that, do we? Why? Because we've been hearing it. But you got to keep going. Benefit number two, who heals. Oh, by the way, that's the, the Hebrew word rapha. That, that Hebrew word means that heals, that mends, that cures, that heals, because he's our great physician, who heals how many? All. All. This word rapha is used 67 times in the Old Testament. Do you know 67 out of 67 times it talks about physical healing? And yet you'll hear people say, oh no, that means spiritual healing. Listen, brother or sister, your spirit does not, if you're born again, it doesn't need to be healed, right? It's, it's, it's brand new. And oh, you know, now, oh, and right now it's brand new. And oh, three seconds later, it'll be brand new. And a year later, it just is new. Never, it never needs to be improved, right? Now, if you're not born again, you don't need spiritual healing either. You need to get rid of that dead spirit man that you are, Hello. right? And get a brand new one. That's what salvation is. Who forgives all of your iniquities. Who heals all of your diseases. That's benefit number two. You can't separate forgiving me for all my iniquities and healing me of all my diseases. It's the same. It's the same salvation. Now, I know you hear this a lot, but we don't hear it enough. Come on. And you're going to hear it more. Yeah. And more. And more and more and more. If you don't want to hear about how God's a healer, I would encourage you to look for another church. But always know you could come back. That's right? Right? in case you ever want to hear that he's a healer again, because we make it real clear here. 
There is no gray area. This is not a peripheral doctrinal issue. This is all one way. The other way is not scriptural. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. It's the Greek word nosos, N-O-S-O-S. In, in, in the Old Testament, this word is used 12 times, and, it, and every time it talks about physical diseases. Right? You don't hear a lot about spiritual diseases, but you hear a lot about, oh, the spiritual, you know, the, every sickness has a demon behind it and all this other stuff. You know, why don't we forget about that and just focus on how God's your healer? Right? And if there's a demonic thing that you got to deal with, because we already know all sickness and disease has a, has a root of, of satanic oppression. But although that sounds really woo, it, it kind of doesn't sound very woo anymore when you go, but I have the name. And all the authority that that name holds. And whatever I bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on this earth will be loosed in heaven. So Satan, you take your hands off my body. If you have arthritis, arthritis, you got to go. Arthritis can hear you. Arthritis hears very clearly the name of Jesus. So does diabetes. So does cancer. Or all of it. Sinus infections. Right? Chemical imbalances. All this stuff. They, they, they hear because the Bible says every knee will bow to the name. Jesus, when he came out of the grave, he said, all authority in heaven, on earth, and under the earth has been given to me. And now you go in my name. I love that. Verse 4, benefit number 3. Who redeems your life from destruction... In the literal Hebrew, you could translate this, the one who is constantly redeeming your life from destruction and decay. Constantly. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? That's, that's Romans 8.11 as well. Who redeems your life from destruction. Now, to redeem, what does redeem mean? It literally means to be taken out from one place and placed into another place. Colossians tells us that when we were born again, we were taken out of the kingdom of darkness, the delegated influence of darkness, and we were transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. Where, the, where sickness and disease have no legal right, poverty and lack have no legal right, right? But then why do we deal with these things? Because Satan's an outlaw. He's operating illegally. But that's okay, you have authority to get his attention with the name of Jesus and kick him out of your life. Why? Because God says, I am the eternal, self-existent one who mends you, who cures you, who heals you. I am your great physician. Wow, that's good news. Who redeems your life from destruction Another benefit, benefit four, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I love this. See, God crowns you with his eager yearnings, his loving kindness, his tender mercies. Why? So that he can bless us. He loves you today. He does not want you suffering from sickness and disease. Pain has to leave. It has to leave your body. Don't let, don't let the enemy rob you and all the money you've spent that he's stolen. Proverbs 11.31 says he's got to bring it all back. So believe God for all the money, all the money you spend on medications, doctors, you know, procedures, all this stuff. It's all got to come back. Do you believe that? The word of God is true. I'm here to tell you it's true. Hallelujah. Benefit number five in verse five, who satisfies your mouth with good things. And if you'll notice in the King James Version, the word things 
is in italics. To read it literally, you'd say, who satisfies your mouth with good. What is good? He satisfies your mouth with good. He'll give you exactly what you are to say from his word. And what will that do? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. If you study the golden eagle in Israel, which is what this is talking about, when the eagle would, would get sick, it would go up on this cliff that nobody could get to, and it would literally lay down on its back and spread out its six-foot wingspan. And eagles, golden eagles, have the ability, they have multiple layers of eyelids. They, they're the only animal they could look directly into the sun. So they would, he just lays there and looks directly into the sun until his body is renewed. He gets to where nobody can get to him, to where he could completely focus and just look at the sun. I wonder how that applies to us. So part of this, it's not to get God to heal you because he's already provided it. It's to shut off all the noise that might be distracting you from receiving. So I want to encourage you, go into that secret place where it's you and your father. Surround yourself with people who will tell you how healed you are. And look at the word of God. And God will give you the word. He'll give you the scriptures to say out of your mouth. And as you speak them, it will renew, it'll renew your youth like the eagles. There is no sickness, no disease, no infirmity. I don't care if you have a missing body part. Don't go through life without it. Let's say you had an appendix taken out. Man, why go without it? God has another one. Well, my heart. Listen, it's just as easy for him to heal your heart or give you a brand new one. Why? Because he is the Lord your healer. He is the Lord your healer. Yeah, but you know my knees, man, I've just worn them out. Well, he'll give you some new ones. You got to believe that. See, we got to teach on that. Because even as I'm saying those words, I, I could sense it in my spirit. It's like faith goes, but it's not going. Because if it was, man, we, it'd just be, you know, it, it's, it's just a little overwhelming to your physical body. You have to start running, screaming, hollering. But when the light goes on, that happens. So it's not my fault if you go to a restaurant after this service and all of a sudden the light of this dawns on your spirit and you're like, wow! And you jump up and dance around your table. Right? It's not my fault. Just remember that. You just remember that. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. See, it says, it, it says the same thing in Romans 8.11. I've mentioned it. I'm going to read it to you. You don't have to turn there. It says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, are you born again? If you, if you are, He's dwelling in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead may also, no, shall, also quicken, that means to make whole, to heal, to restore your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Isn't that awesome? In John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is, His eternal name is the Word of God. This is Jesus in book form. When you speak the word, it brings the power and the presence of Jesus, the healer, right on the scene. That's Bible. You can't disprove that. Right? Now, so, so what about this word 
In John 17, 17, it says the word is truth. Right? So you could say it this way in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the truth, and the truth was with God, and the truth was God. This is so important that you know that. If you go to John chapter 8, let's put John chapter 8 verse 31 up on the screen. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews that believed in him, he said, If, John 8 31, if you continue in my word or if you continue in my truth, you are my disciples indeed. Then verse 32, what happens if you continue in the word or if you continue in the truth? It says, and you'll know the truth or you'll know the word and the truth or the word will make you free. Truth. See, this is what happens in our society today. It's this word truth. Because people will say, well, that's just not my truth. But I'm here to tell you, truth is not of this world. Truth, you know, I lived in Fairfield, Iowa, with Maharishi International University, New Age Movement. Whatever I think is truth is truth. Well, that'll, that'll really help your life, Right? The goal is really, I'm my own truth so I could do what I want, so I don't have to serve God. I could just live for myself. The problem is, they're not living for themselves. Right. Satan's just blinded their mind. Nobody lives for themselves. Because the spiritual law is whoever you're identified with is who you're going to spend eternity with, and you're eternal. That's, right. Forever. That's why you won't spend eternity with God if you're your own God and you think you have your own truth. Because it's not really truth. Truth is not relative. Something relative, what that means is it can't stand on its own. Truth stands on its own. Truth never changes. It's not subject to change. Have you noticed? See, and, and this is, you know, you think you can get dulled down if you just pay attention to the world. Man, it seems like every time I sit down at my computer... Every time I want to use my iPhone, my iPad, I always got to update. Everything's an update. Update, then they update, and then of course there's more updates because they got to fix the glitches because of the updates. Have you noticed? Have you ever had the Holy Spirit? Okay, I got to update this. Do you know why God never changes? It's because He's truth. Truth never changes. Right now in our seminaries, there's a lot of seminaries that are saying this is not all truth, that it's not relevant for today. That's being educated way beyond your intellect. Because I got to tell you, brother or sister, this never changes and it never will. Truth. Re the word relative means not absolute and not existing by itself. But God, who is truth, right? He is absolute and he exists by himself. And he says, there's no gray area. I am the Lord, your healer. Amen. Isn't that good news? Yes. Truth is not, is not based on your perception or your experience. Because we change the truth of God's word when... Well, I've been believing God and I just haven't, I ha he hasn't healed me. Okay. Either you're right and you're now the truth, or maybe you're missing something. Does that make sense? See, we should get excited about that because, I mean, I go to God and I'm like, yeah, I know. The good news is I've missed it. That's awesome, which means it's still for me. Does that make? So I'm picking it up again. Right? Truth is unchanging and eternal. Circumstances never, ever, ever change truth. That's right. Never. Truth 
This is a deep statement. I stayed up all night last night. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> truth is truth whether you see it, whether you believe it, or whether you act on it, or whether you don't. It's still truth. So the truth is today that God is your healer. He's your savior. He's your deliverer. He's your provider. Today, that, that will never change. Whether you act on that, whether you believe it or not, whether you receive it, whether you walk in it, it, it will not change the fact of who he is. So we might as well receive it and act on it, on. right? And walk in the blessing of it so that the light of the gospel of Christ, his glory can shine on this world. I mean, you mark my words, man. People are going to be running. You're going to have to get up really early to get in here. It, it's going to be like you're going to come to service and you're going to not be able to get here and go, well, we'll just have to go to the next one. It's going to be a few hours from now or whatever, a couple hours. You know, I only preach 15 minutes at a time. It's kind of like reps in a gym, you know. I do sets of 15. Moving on, anyway. The truth is, never forget this, God is your Savior, and He is your healer. The same thing. When the truth of this dawns on your spirit, it will become an anchor to your soul. It'll keep your mind, your will, and your emotions in the right place. You'll know. You'll know this is not my end result. I am not going under. I'm going to go through this. I'm gonna, I, he's already given me the victory. He always causes me to triumph. I will live and I will not die. And I'll declare his works. This is, this is Bible truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So faith. Let's talk about this. I want to show you a picture in Mark 16. Go to Mark 16. We're going to look at verse 9. You guys doing okay? Man, what a great... We have great services every time. Isn't it? They're all different, but they're just all awesome. Oh, praise God. I can't take credit for that one, but I, I, I sure love it. It's a, it's, a, it's a great ride. I love it. Verse 9, Mark chapter 16, says this, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. I think that's awesome. Of course, he would appear to her first. So thankful. She's so thankful. She's there early. She just loves God because he made her free. Right? And she went and told them that she had been with him and they mourned and wept. Or as they mourned and wept. So she walks in. They're mourning, they're weeping because Jesus was crucified. And she's like, guys, I've been with him. Notice, right now, they have a choice. It says, verse 11, And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had seen of her, believed not. Now, notice, it's not that they couldn't believe, because believing is a choice. It's that they wouldn't believe. So today, God is saying, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the self-existent one who mends you, who heals you, who cures you. I am your great physician today. Yeah. Same thing like Mary's going, hey, I've been with him. And they believe not. Verse 12, after that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country, verse 13, and they went and told it to, unto the residue, neither believe they them. So now... More people are saying, I, I just don't believe it. Not that they couldn't, they wouldn't. Verse 14, afterward he appeared unto the eleven. See, I love this scripture so much. Have you ever not believed? Yeah. And then you come back to church, 
or God will, you're spending time with him and he'll, he'll come back around and he'll try to convince you again. And then you just still say no and then he'll come back around. He never gives up. The Holy Spirit convicts the world. That, that word means he's the ultimate convincer. He's always trying, to, like right now, he's, he's wanting to convince you that what you are facing right now, you will, you, it's already taken care of. Afterward, verse 14, he appeared unto the eleven. Now this is his eleven, right? The eleven disciples, his, his main guys, as they sat at meat, so they're eating dinner, so they're, they're Christians, right? Or about to be. They, they're, they're practicing. They're still fellowshipping over food. And look at what he did. He abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. He upbraided them because they wouldn't let this incredible fact of his resurrection in. They, they hardened their heart. because of. Notice it says because of their unbelief and their hardness of heart. Because they believe not them which had seen him after he was risen. In other words, faith is a choice. Believing is a choice. Yes, it is. Jesus upbraided them because they would not believe, not because they could not believe. In other words, they were unpersuadable. Now, I understand when your body's hurting and things are getting worse, I understand how you can be unpersuadable. But here's the difference between unpersuadable and, and, and faith. Here's faith. You're looking at the Word. Here's unpersuadable. You're looking away from the Word at your circumstance. If you look at your circumstance too long and you start... You start entertaining these thoughts, the enemy's there going, you're not good enough to be healed. He's saying that to you who've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not good enough to, receive, to, to be able for God to heal you when the reality of it is, no, no, he's already provided it, right? So, so in order to not be unpersuadable, you have to choose to believe and you have to be looking at the right thing as a New Testament believer. Hebrews 3.12 says this. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. In Hebrews 11.6 it says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. Right? For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. See, faith, it's very important to God. It's the way you live. Faith is the way you walk. Faith is the victory over the world system. Faith is the way we please God. Faith is the way we receive from God. We'll never get away from that. So now Mark chapter 16 in verse 15. Let's finish these last two verses. Verse 15 and 16 say this. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. In other words, it's not up to God's will for people to get saved. It's up to their will. It's not up to God's will for people to get healed. See, we already know it's His will. We already know it's His will that all be saved. That all do. It's up to the person's will. Right? What grace has provided, faith must possess. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slack. This is 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come unto repentance. See, this is God. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4 says this, For it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. See, God has made his will very clear. He heals all. He saves all. He delivers all. It's all there for us. Now, another scripture that's wonderful. Go to Isaiah as we're kind of closing down here. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. This is the great redemptive chapter. It starts out in verse 1. It says, Who will believe our report? And to whom of the arm of the, will the arm of the Lord be revealed? Well, the arm, the manifest presence of God, the manifest power of God is only revealed to those that believe the report. Here's the report, the word of God, right? So then you go down, look at this. It says, surely he, talking about Jesus, has borne our griefs. It's the Hebrew word koli. In every time it's translated in the Old Testament, koli means disease, physical disease. The translator had a real problem with God providing healing for everybody. It says, and he carried our sorrows. That's the Hebrew word makab. Every time that Hebrew word is used, it always means pain. Every time. So literally, and, the, and, and Matthew 8, 17, which is the Holy Spirit's commentary on this verse, literally says Jesus himself bore our sickness and carried our pain. So if there's pain in your body today, tell that to leave because Jesus bore it. If there's sickness or disease in your body, it, it has to go. Tell it to leave because Jesus bore it. Surely he's borne our sickness and disease, carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Look at verse 5. Again, you're going to see all of it lumped in together. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquity. Sin, right? Look at this. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Well, what does that mean? That word peace means prosperity. The chastisement, that Hebrew word means the restraint. That which is restraining prosperity from coming to you was put on him. In other words, he redeemed you from sin. He redeemed you from the sin nature. He redeemed you from poverty and lack. And with his stripes, you, or with his stripes, we are healed. Now, 1 Peter 2.24 looks back to the cross and says, by whose stripes you were healed. Well, when was I healed? If you study other scriptures, the Bible says in Psalm 107.20, he sent his word, Jesus. Right? 1 John 1.14 and the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. So, so Jesus went to the cross. He sent his word and did what? And healed them. In the body of Jesus on that cross, every sin, all the sin nature, and everything was condemned once and for all in his body on that tree. All sickness, all disease, everything he, he bore all of it. Isaiah said to look at his body on that cross. You could not tell he was human. Now he was beaten. Most people didn't live through the beating. But you couldn't kill that body. The body died. He, Jesus died of a broken heart. When the weight of all, all of it hit him. And we can't imagine the price. What that would do. But we know when that, when that soldier pierced his side and blood and water came out, well, medical science tells us it's because his heart exploded. Do you know how many people would die because their heart exploded when they got crucified? None. They would always die of suffocation. Because when you're on a cross, you have to literally lift up when the nails are here and in your feet, you have to lift up to breathe. 
And so if they wanted to kill them quick, they'd break their legs so they couldn't pull up and they'd just die. They'd suffocate. But Jesus died of a broken heart. But actually, really, Jesus gave up his spirit. He said, no man takes my life, I lay it down. The Bible says he gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. Man, when he said it is finished, whatever's going on in your physical body today, it's finished. It was finished 2,000 years ago. If you'll believe it. By his stripes, we are healed. How you receive salvation is how you receive healing. It's how you receive provision and every other blessing of God. Do you know the word believe literally in the Gospel of John is spoken and listed 101 times? Do you know faith and believing is literally mentioned 600 times in the New Testament? Isn't that amazing? Do you know how many times God's will is mentioned in the New Testament? 50. But 600 times talks about faith and believing. Why? Because the determining factor is your faith, not God's will. He already told us his will. So literally think about it. His will is mentioned 50 times. 12 times more faith and believing is mentioned. Wow. That was pretty sharp, huh, Jake? Numbers guy. 12 times 50, 600. I mean, just, just rolls right out of my spirit. So I'll close with this. Maybe I'll close. I'll start to close. But I'm, I'm literally three minutes away, so hang in there. James chapter 5, verse 14 and verse 15 says this. Is any sick among you? It says, let him call for the elders of the church. And this word sick means so sick that you can't lay hold of something by yourself. So if you're, if you're so sick, this could be someone in a coma. This could be someone who's just so sick. And you know where you're just going, man, I, I need help. Now we have trouble with that in word of faith circles. Because many times we have to, we're trying to be something. And we're trying to be something with a sin consciousness which just doesn't work. But if you need help, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Now this word pray doesn't mean, you know, you don't want a bunch of people laying hands on you going, oh Lord, please, we beg you, heal our... No, no, that's not what that word pray means. That word pray means declare. So you want people laying hands on you going, I declare in the name of Jesus that you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Right? Sickness, disease, I command you to leave this body. Body, I command you to amend in Jesus' name. And you declare over him, anointing him with oil. Now this was written, James was talking to Jewish Christians. Paul really never mentioned it to the Gentiles because they wouldn't have oil. They'd be thinking, is a salad dressing? Is it recooking? They didn't understand some of those things. So you don't need oil. You declare. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer, now again, the declaration of faith shall save the sick. Now this word save literally means heal. The declaration of faith shall heal the sick and if he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven him. Isn't that awesome? God just does this complete work, once again, mixing healing with salvation and forgiveness of sins. Don't separate it. It's never separated. I'm going to leave you with this. Psalm 86.5. Psalm 86.5. Let this just penetrate your heart. Psalm 86.5. For thou, Lord, art good. And ready to forgive. Wow. Plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. That's who God is. Don't buy this nonsense of what people are saying about God. That he's sitting in heaven healing some and not others. No, God passionately wants healing to spread throughout his church. He wants everybody on the planet saved. Jesus paid for it all. He wants everybody healed. 
He's good to all. His tender mercies are over all of his works. He's plenteous in mercy to everyone who would call on him. Know that today. I don't care how long you've been believing God. You might find maybe you're kind of believing God and then wavering in this. Forget all that. Forgetting, forgetting those things that are behind, lay hold of it and not let it go because he's good. How do you not let it go? Let me say it correctly. Lay hold of him and don't let him go. That's how you prosper. That's how your body get amends. Let every man be a liar, but let God's word be true. Amen?